dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Hey friends, this is Mother Natalia. Today's episode is Father Michael's and he um, opens up a conversation to talk about what private prayer looks like because we've um, talked a lot about liturgical prayer and um, communal prayer, but not so much necessarily private prayer. So trying to give you guys some really practical examples of what private prayer has looked like, particularly in my life. I feel like Father Michael made this episode mine. Uh, And what silence looks like, what receiving from God looks like, fruits of prayer, etc., etc. Scriptures, silence, I already said silence, Um, spiritual reading, you know, all those things. So enjoy, and if you are a hashtag banter hater, um, only skip ahead maybe four minutes after this introduction. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to Him forever. Good morning, Mother. Good morning, Father. 10, 11, 12. It's not morning where you are. It's not, but I didn't really think about that, and so I just responded automatically. I have to count in my head. You you do it so quickly, but I have to literally go. It's ten a.m. here, eleven twelve one. Like I have to look at <laughs> I have to look at the time zones. That's how I count. I I think okay, I'm in this one. You're in that one, and I count like looking geographically at the country. <laughs> That's how I do it. Um, it was always really fun when I was a teacher. It was really fun to see kind of the different ways that students figured out Mm -hmm. problems. Uh, And I always tried to, like when I was teaching a new concept, I I always tried to teach it in all the different ways, right? Like to show the numbers, to show a picture, to give a real world example, because uh, it's just fascinating the different ways. Sometimes I'll ask the nuns when one of us is like figuring out the difference in cost of something, or I'm just out of curiosity. I'm like, how did you figure that out in your head? Uh, There was a viral, I'm trying to find it right now. There's a viral thing going around social media right now that gives a math equation and says, tell me how you do this in your head. Hmm. Um, so, and it, it's that, it's that exact thing. And I think it was, it, I, I'm going to get it wrong. Um, I'm just scrolling through Twitter right now to see if it pops up. Um, but it's, let's say it's something like what is, what is 46 or 40, 46 plus 67 and how would you do that in your head um i would do the 40 and the 60 and the six and seven and then put the two together okay that's what i did too okay but i like even for the six and the seven i have to i have to go to 10 and see what's left over uh-huh. so i do four and six so that's that that's a hundred and then i would do the six and the seven and i would have to say okay the six and the seven together would be seven plus three is ten plus three more mm. Yeah. So then I would do you know, 113. Those are just ones that I have memorized, like six and seven. But um, yeah. yeah. But uh, that would be the wise thing, actually, yeah. to memorize it. So that it's not you don't have to do it in your head. I guess. That's also the left and the right brain thing because I bought a book. I was so excited. I was horrible at drawing when I was a kid. I think I've told the story before that I literally drew, I was like 18 years old. I drew my pastor a picture of Jesus. And when I handed it to me, he's like, oh, did your little sister draw this? She's 12 <laughs> years younger than me. So she was like five. And oh. I was like, uh, no, father, I drew that. Um, and he's you like, oh. never told like, that story, I don't think. I don't remember it. That's oh like my gosh. so sad and really So sweet. I was like, I, I wish I was, I wish I was someone so who could draw. You are so humble to just share that. 
<laughs> I was like, I was like, I want to be able to draw. So I bought this book. I think it's called like Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain. It was a big thing in the nineties. Um, and I hated it. I hated it because it said pretty much if you want to learn how to draw, you have to not envision the entire thing, but you pretty much have to do a grid pattern. Mm. And then you draw what's in each square of the grid. Yeah. And I'm like, that's boring. I don't want to do that. Oh, like, that I want to be able to look at something. And then oh, <laughs> it's just like, that's not drawing. That's like creating something and not seeing the big picture till you're done. Like, I want to be able to look at something like, uh, I want to look at a person or an animal or a, or a, a tree and just say, like, oh, you know, draw that that I'm looking at. But if it's, I have to do a grid pattern or stuff like this, ugh. I'm feeling really self conscious because um, I just got over being sick. And so I feel like my voice sounds really horrible. And we're about to record three episodes. <laughs> I don't First think time ever, three in a row. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I don't think we've ever done that before. No. They're also going to be shorter ones. So, yeah. y'all, you get the next three or 40 minutes long. Uh huh. Ideally, 40, 45. Something like that. Yeah. Well, let's shorten the banter then appropriately. Yeah. And, uh, and kick this off. Um, so I wrote I wrote my notes for this because we were supposed to record yesterday. So I wrote my notes for this, and I was just looking over them again just now, and I can read like half of my writing. So um, anyway, <laughs> this, the, the spirit's going to be working in this. Um, but this this topic came to me um, because of who you are, mother, um, and I. So I know this will be a good conversation. Oh man! Um, and and I I know we've touched on this. I don't think we've done a whole topic on it. Um, but I was sitting with a friend of mine who uh, she's evangelical. Uh, she just got back from the Holy Land. Shout out to you, Rachel. Um, just got back from the Holy Land. We met We met at, at Tortoni in the coffee shop. Um, she, we were talking about her time in the Holy Land. It was a very complicated time because I'm going to the Holy Land in a couple of weeks. It was a very complicated time for her because this was her first time. Um, she, as all of us do, has certain expectations about what this is going to be like and uh, trying to, process and be grateful for what it is and then I think always our expectations are are too much and too little you mm-hmm. know both but um I think she discovered that her her expectations I just heard Karina telling me again this morning at at Tortoni uh, her expectations were were other than what it was and she was a, a bit disappointed as I think we all are by the the humanity of it and I think one of the reasons that I realized was because there's I mean this is a lot of people's homes and there's so much tension in the uh oh someone's calling me from Canada I going to ignore that um <laughs> the uh, there's so much tension in uh, in the Holy Land, it has been for years, and mm-hmm. that's once people live in that, um, we do really want to, and I think properly are able to go have a very, you know, kind of beautifully pious experience there. But I think it's actually more, it's more beautiful in a sense to see it as this is this is where the cross was, this is where Christ suffered, this this is where this is where the tension is, and so we, she and I had this beautiful conversation the night um, about her time there, and and she just was able to, I think, experience the cross and the joys of it too at the same time that was really helpful to me. So, But one thing she said that got me thinking was, uh, I don't think she might be telling this, she she's never liked the smell of frankincense, like 
viscerally. There's something mm-hmm. about it that like viscerally affects it. So the first thing she says is, "Do you like frankincense?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah. I mean, I, I I use it in church all the time, and you know." Um, and so she tells the story. She was like, "I literally." So I, she walked to the Holy Sepulcher and was like, "Oh, oh my gosh, yeah. yeah." And then, but like she, she used to put it in infusers just because Jesus received it as, as a kid. You know, all these things that she just never liked it. And so, so it was kind of the one. <laughs> it was the straw that broke the camel's back for her in a way that was just like, oh, and then and then I walk in to one of the holiest sites on the earth and they have frankincense. It, it was just it was it was like really Lord and and the way that she told me that she processed that experience of like talking to God was like really Lord and she she got this she got this word back from him that I have heard many times and I know I've shared a bit of this like Jesus just says like it's almost like teasing is his love language. He's just like, yeah, honestly, it's kind of funny to me that, that, that I can like, see you know, why you're, uh, you're, you're freaking out about your, this one thing. Um, exactly. Because <laughs> I've told the story before, I think where I had this family in my outreach in Fort Collins, they had been there for five to seven years. Now, you know me, I also forget names a lot, but that I also blame that on God. Um, but the, uh, this family's there. They've been there for five years. They're going to move away. This is their last divine liturgy with the community. We're all, of course, going to mourn them. So at the end of the liturgy, I decide to do my, this is the last time. I'm going to invite them up to give a traveler's blessing. You know, God bless you on your journey. God's will be done. And so I start talking and I'm like, okay, this family's been here for five years and they're going to be traveling. Anyway, I continue talking because I cannot remember their last name. <laughs> I, I've known them for five years. And so I just keep on talking and talking and talking. <laughs> and finally, I'm like, this is getting absurd. Um, so I just say, I am so sorry. I don't, you know, I know you, you know, I love you. I cannot remember your last name right now. So like the whole congregation cries it out, like says the last name, you know. <laughs> and then I, we say, I give them a blessing. I turn back around and again, thank God we're auto-oriented. We're facing away from the people. I turn back around and I was like, really, Lord? Really? I, I, like, I, why couldn't you just give me the name? Like, the, the, I don't understand why. Is this funny to you? And I, and, and I, I, just, I, I said that and our, and our Lord was just like, that was hilarious. <laughs> and I just thought, and I, I, it was such that that is my love language. So I thought, that's awesome, Lord. I, I'm glad you could be, I'm glad you could do something like that and then show me how funny it is when a priest forgets an entire family's name after five years on the day they're sending them out. Um, and so there's something, and I've always felt that to be a very beautiful thing as frustrating as it is in the moment. There's still like this little, there is this, obviously God became man, so I don't want to, you know, people to misunderstand what I'm saying here, but there's a, a certain, God knows my humanity and he's also human in Jesus Christ. So there's there's something about this very, it's not the overly pious Jesus that I'm talking to at all times that is, you know, from the from the old fashioned holy cars and everything's just perfect. Like I I need a bit more grit. I need I need a bit more and and that he shows me he loves me in the grittiness by sometimes having me do things that are embarrassing and humiliating but also very funny. Mm-hmm. And and if if I can take myself out of myself for a moment, I will see that as well. And so she when my friend Rachel said that that was the case, I was like, "Yep. Absolutely. Like he does that with me too." So, I guess I want to ask you mother, um you mentioned the other day on the podcast about your and you've mentioned a few times you've used the phrase spousal prayers. Mm-hmm. Um and like what that is for you, the part of your day. So, I'd like to do a deep dive into 
your and my experience of private prayer. So we have, we liturgically, we've walked through the divine liturgy. We know what antiphonal Psalms are. We pray back and forth. We know what, why we need ritual. We know why need our, we need our various liturgies, but private prayer is so private. It's so particular. It's so personal that, that it can be, it's very different for each person. We all have different settings above our icon corners. We have different places that we like to pray and we have different postures, different things we like to listen to. Um, so I would love to do kind of a deep dive into the, your experience and my experience of private prayer. And I kicked it off with that story because I thought that's one of my most, my most, the times I've been most aware of Christ speaking to me in prayer privately mm-hmm. has been those moments where it's, I, I should be embarrassed, but instead I feel peace. Yeah. <clears throat> um. I've had moments where he like teases me like that in prayer as well. Uh, several times I'll get to spousal prayers, I promise. But um, the first one that comes to mind is I was on retreat with Father Ryan Mann. He was directing my retreat before I entered the monastery, and he had given me uh, like several holy hours to pray each day. And uh, I was praying one of them, and I was being very particular to make sure that I was in there for the right amount of time. And um, and I'm having this like beautiful prayer (laughs) and like I feel Jesus there he and I are like I don't know in a canoe or picnicking or I don't know all the imaginative prayer that I'm not supposed to do as an eastern catholic and uh but whatever it is I'm like having this great prayer time and then I'm like kind of feeling like maybe it's time to wrap up and so I look at my watch to see if it's like been an hour yet and uh and I (laughs) I just hear (laughs) it's rude to check your watch on a date and like, <laughs> and awesome. um, and it was just like I literally laughed out loud when I like when this came up in my heart, um, and it just was so funny. Um, but I've had, but it was like said with um, with kind of like um, a smirk and a raised eyebrow kind of thing, you know. I think Perla and I have talked about this before. Of it's um, oftentimes my experience in prayer with Jesus um, in the times, the times that he's more like more serious, but still kind of like just delighting in my childlikeness or something like, so there's still some amount of teasing to it is um, it reminds me often of you when like when there are those moments that um I'm having some kind of breakdown and I'm like, Father Michael, everything is so horrible. I can't do anything right. And I'm so mad in this situation. And I'm and I'm just like so convinced that I'm not going to do the right thing. And I'm so convinced that it's never going to be okay. And I'm so convinced that like all of this and you just are like watching me and like trying to not smile um, or maybe not even trying. And you're just kind of smirking because you just know that like, I'm going to do the right thing in the end in this particular situation. And, um, and you're just like almost laughing at me. And I feel like Jesus does that <laughs> sometimes, uh, which is just really beautiful. But um, okay. So spousal prayers. Uh, so we call them spousal prayers in our monastery being Christ the bridegroom monastery. Uh, but like you said, this is just our time of private prayer with the Lord. So we have like, I don't know, four hours a day or something like that, uh, praying together as a community in the chapel. 
But then we have at least another hour of, of private prayer, which is our cell rule, um, uh, meaning the rule of prayer that's assigned to us to pray, tech, I mean, I guess in our cell, but we could also sometimes we'll pray like outside or something. Um, <clears throat> and our cell rule assigned to us by our spiritual mother and or our spiritual father. And... Um, and in our monastery, we call that our spousal prayers because this is the time of being alone with our spouse um, and growing in union with him because that's the point of prayer is to grow into grow in like more intimate union with with the Lord. Um, so, yeah, that's why we call it that. And then it's different for each nun. Um, but it's usually some combination of silence, scripture, Jesus prayer, maybe spiritual reading, depending on how much time that particular nun has in her just daily life for spiritual reading. Uh, and yeah, and then maybe she could like journal during that time. It's really, I think, kind of discerned with um, the spiritual mother, spiritual father. So um, I have both, I have scripture reading every day, and then um, some days I have spiritual reading, some days I don't. And then the rest of the time is silence or the Jesus prayer. Um, and so, go ahead. So I, I love to hear what happens in that silence or in that Jesus prayer. Mm-hmm. I like the less structure stuff. So you get this, these things assigned, but but so... But beyond them being assigned, what what is the what is the you and Jesus that happens either when you're reading the scriptures or in silence or in the Jesus prayer? But what what does that? If you don't mind, obviously there's some mm-hmm. things you're not going to share with the world. But what what does it look like for for Mother Natalia when she's talking one on one with Jesus? Like what what does that conversation entail? What does it look like? Mm. Yeah, I was thinking about this recently because. Um, I I recently switched confessors and um and I was reflecting on just kind of how vulnerable it is to switch confessors especially for like someone who um like that's such a big part of their life right um and I think particularly like the way that I go to confession is um is just like extra vulnerable because I I really like and embrace the tradition of speaking directly to the Lord in confession. And I usually do this when I go to confession with you, Father Michael, uh, not always. Um, but yeah, one of the traditions, like I said, in confession is to speak directly to the Lord. And so I, I will say in confession, um, Lord, I, I ask as the divine physician that you bring healing into this this area of my life. Um, I ask your forgiveness for, for this that I've done, or I bring this situation to you. I ask for, um, um, for you to speak into that and to heal me in that place, um, to heal the brokenness that I've caused or that so-and-so has caused or whatever. Um, and I promise I'm getting to your question. Um, but like, I just realized how extremely vulnerable that is because that's the one situation in which someone is seeing my very intimate prayer with the Lord. Um, because it's, it's even like when you're praying over, you know, it's, it's pretty often that I'll pray over someone out loud 
And like when you're praying over someone or when you and I are praying at the beginning of podcasting um, before we hit record or things like that, like that's real prayer and I'm speaking to Jesus um, or to the Father or whatever, but but it's different when it's just like, I'm just speaking to him one-on-one. And in confession, that's what I'm doing. Like I'm speaking to him and this priest is just kind of like listening in. And so that's just very rare and, and very vulnerable. Um, so I don't know that I can describe all of that, but in that time of silence, um, I'm trying as, as time goes on, as the years go on, that becomes much less like conversational and much more trying to like sit in a posture of receptivity. Um, so there are days when like, there are very big things going on in my life that I might say, um, like, uh, like this morning, I was just like, Jesus, this is so hard. <laughs> um, cause there's just like something really tough going on right now. And, and I was just like, Jesus, this is so hard. Um, and like, I might say, what do you want from me? I might say, speak into this. I might say like, I'm giving this to you. Um, and, but it's not like, it's not often I'm explaining situations. It's not often I'm like filling Jesus in because I don't really need to do that. Um, it's more so just like trying to bring my pain before him or bring my joy before him. And then just sitting in, in um, I often just like open my hands in my lap even um, and just trying to receive whatever it is that he wants to give me there. And sometimes it's just silence. Sometimes it's just, I know. Um, and like, that's really powerful just to, just to know that he knows and to hear that. Um, and uh, yeah, so there's a lot of, I guess, just like sitting and, and not necessarily like producing. I would say the exception to that is like sometimes in those times of silence as if it's something I am processing a lot or um, or the Lord is being just like particularly verbal himself. Um, then sometimes a poem will come on my heart and I will just like write out this poem during that time of silence. Um, and yeah, I think that most often at this point in my life, when I'm journaling, um, when I hear the Lord, it comes into a poem. And so I'm I'm much more frequently journaling, like my prayer journal is much more poems than it is, um, and most of those are just like, that is my prayer, this, this poetry is my prayer. So I guess actually, uh, sorry, I wasn't prepared for any of this, but um, the... Like if listeners really want to know what my prayer is like, any episodes in which I've shared a poem is very much like that is my prayer. Um, yeah. So remind me, are the are the poems from your perspective, from God's perspective, both? Usually person, from my perspective. First person? Okay. Um, usually, usually it's me speaking to the Lord, um, okay. or speaking about the Lord. Um, but sometimes. Uh, he will give me words back and then I have words from him as well. Um, yeah. And what is the, what are the various fruits of, of that private prayer? 
is mm-hmm. like the fruits of, of both speaking to God, whether it's through poetry or just speaking, or and then the fruits also of, of what you hear, whether it's peace or just knowing you're being heard or like well, what what are the what are the fruits that you that you feel? And again, I, I want to preface this to, you know, n- this is not this is not how your private prayer should be. It, it, you know, God God gives us each very individual ways, and so none of that that you may hear mother or me saying is should bring shame or guilt that you don't feel this way or if that's not how it works with you. Um, you know, these are, it's good to hear when we were learning how to hear confessions, you know, um, we'd have people come in and play the penitent. And so they had like a script and then we, mm-hmm. we were supposed to answer that script back. Um, and, and it was, it was intriguing to me for the first time to hear what somebody else's confession may sound like. Cause I had never heard anybody. Right, I wasn't a priest yeah. yet, you know? <laughs> so, so uh, these scripts were kind of, okay, that's why we had these scripts in this practicum. Okay. Here's what a confession may seem like. And so, it's not like that's how my confession has to be. I'm not mm-hmm. going to confess those things, but but it's nice to hear somebody else's experience so that we can have, in a sense, that that should be that should fight shame rather than bring shame. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it it depends on the day because we don't always feel the fruits of our prayer, and I think that's actually a really important thing to Amen. to remember. Is um, I think you know I've talked before about how just I think that we have such a temptation towards like we have such a desire for productivity in our society today um, that we even feel that way about our prayer and about our spiritual life and like I'm supposed to come out of this prayer with something with some particular fruit that I can share or with um or even not even necessarily share but just like even just to journal or just to know myself that like I had this great thing come out of prayer today and and we can fall into the temptation to start defining our prayer based on how quote unquote fruitful it was. Um, and, and so I think it's important for us to remember that we don't always feel the fruit. Um, and we have to trust that time spent alone with the Lord is objectively fruitful, even if we don't feel anything from it. Um, so that's the like really, really, really important preface. But that being said, for me, I think like the most common is peace. Um, and, um, you know, right before we started recording, I was telling you that even this morning, Father Michael, like after my prayer this morning, I just, I felt a lot more at peace. Um, I had convictions of things that I need to like say in a conversation with someone that's that's going to be difficult. Um but there was a peace beneath the convictions and, and the convictions actually came out of the peace, which I think is good. Um, so often peace, often convictions, um, often feeling a greater closeness with the Lord. Um, and then more frequently than any of those things, uh, nothing <laughs> is what I feel. <laughs> so it's not even like I can share all of these different fruits, um, and, you know, sometimes it's like resolutions to conversations. Sometimes it's, um, you know, all of that. Um, joy, joy is another really common one for me. But I just, I think I want to be very clear that like all of the fruits that I can share from prayer more frequently than any of those, I feel nothing in prayer. We could do a whole podcast on this, and I think I will later on. Um, just the way you're ex- the way you're describing this, but there is a and because I, I want I want to um, I want to kind of get the the depths of 
what the church teaches about this. Um, but we Eastern Christians, especially through the practice of hesychasm, which mm-hmm. is just the stillness, uh, Jesus prayer. But the goal here for the monastic is to, is to truly experience the uncreated light of God through his energies, through theoria. So there, there's a, the Eastern Christian says it is possible to experience God's, his energies, namely his, his actions in our life. Um, the, not the essence of God, not the, the inner being, but, but the, 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 I don't want to say it's not a part, but it's, it's the, the, the energies of God, how he interacts with us. This is the light of Tabor in the transfiguration and the, the goal of the monastic. And of course, then ev- therefore every the light Christian, on the face of Moses that had to be. Yes. Is, is, yeah. is to, and yeah. And I think even that, I would say that old Testament though is a little bit different. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it's there, but it, it is, it is the energies of God. Of course it is. Um, but, but there's, um, with with Christ and our access to Him in the New Covenant, there sure. there's something about our the the fact that that we can and should have an actual experience of God at 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 some point in our in our growth and holiness. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other topic, but um, I, I think what you're getting at, Mother, is that's why that inspired me to say that. What what you're getting at is that that's in a sense as you grow in holiness and wisdom and age and grace as as our Lord did. Um, you you will, as you mentioned already, your 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 experience of God has changed in mm-hmm. your experience of prayer. Change it's it's adapted to to what God is trying to bring you to, and I think all of those things are in a sense that an experience of that contemplation of that kind of unmediated direct experience of the energies of God, the the uncreated light um, that is God Himself, and so there there's. That I guess is a, and the Philokalia is full of this too, you know, because the Philokalia comes from this tradition. Um, but anyway, I'll do a whole, I, I love though, I guess that's what I'm getting at here. I love that that just speaking from a very real place, that's kind of what you're getting to is when in prayer, we can actually experience God um, himself. And that that is the whole point of of both public and and private prayer. Yeah, and you know, I'm, in my episode that we record next, um, I want to, I'll mention again briefly the the quote from St. Seraphim of Sorov that I know you and I both love so much, Father Michael, acquire interior peace and thousands mm-hmm. around you will be saved or a thousand souls Amen. will be saved. And um, I think that's, that's something of what we need to consider is that like when we're in prayer, we don't even necessarily see the fruits, even some of the most fruitful prayer, we don't see the fruits in the prayer or right at the end of the prayer, um, and we can't necessarily point to them. But what I can say is that in my day-to-day life, um, I'm more unflappable, if you will, uh, than I was three years ago. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I can't necessarily say, oh, this time in prayer on this day, helped me to be more resilient um, in the difficulties of the day. But I can say that three years ago, um, I was a lot more turbulent than I am now. And so like Mm. prayer has done something. Um, Community life has done something. Uh, Asceticism has done something, you know, (laughs) like it's, it's working even when we don't know how it's working. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think that's, 
that should bring patience, perseverance. Um, it should remove any regrets or shame, you know, from these things that, that we did when we were younger. And, you know, the, the way that I pray now is, would be embarrassing to my future self, hopefully, you know, just mm-hmm. the, 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 the immaturity of it. Um, and yet I can look back and say, you know, thank God, um, it is better than it was five, 10, 15, 20 years ago. I'm 18 years a priest today. And I look back on, yeah, happy anniversary. On, uh, thank you. Um, it's also Father Travis's birthday. Nice. And Padre Pio's, I think. And, and, uh, um, and Mary Link, my little prayer partner, okay, my little prayer nice. pal. And Paul Laxon, who you know, seminary and Paul from here, mm-hmm. through LA. It's also my parents' wedding anniversary. So this is May yeah. 25th, by the way, the day that we're recording. Whoa, um, happy anniversary, mom and dad, 48 yep. years married. Um, I was going to, I think I'm going to save this, this other thought for the next one. I'll, I'll somehow tie it into the other topic I have because okay. it's a little bit, it's going to take a little bit longer than we have. Um, uh, I, can I say one thing about scripture and oh, please, spiritual reading? Please, please. That's very quick. Yes. Um, I would also encourage like, so first of all, the book Beginning to Pray by Metropolitan Anthony Bloom is very, very good. Um, mm. And it helped me a lot. Uh, Amen. And and by it helped me a lot, I mean it helped me a lot like two years ago. <laughs> and so I don't even mean that like it helped me when I was like first praying for the first okay. time. Like no matter where you're at in your spiritual life, it's just very good. You're no longer beginning to pray. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm always beginning to pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so um, beginning to pray by Anthony Bloom, Metropolitan Anthony Bloom. I would highly recommend that book. But then also the thing with like, I, I think it's really helpful when we get can get to the place in prayer. And I'm not saying everyone's there yet. Maybe some people right now just need the very strict regimen. Um, but when you can get to the place in prayer that you're open to whatever the Spirit wants to give you in this time. And so by that, I mean like sometimes I'm praying with Scripture. And so like say I have I'm 15 minutes of Scripture reading in my cell rule. Um, because that's what I have. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it might be like a few minutes in, there's a particular line that really strikes me. Like, it's fine to then just sit with that for, yes, for the rest of the 15 minutes. You know, it doesn't mean that like I have to be solidly reading for 15 minutes. Um, and same thing with, with, uh, spiritual reading, you know, if something like really strikes you and you feel like the Lord wants to speak into that, you feel like the Holy Spirit has something for you there, whether it's like a conviction or whether it's just, I want you to just sit with this and let it sink in. Um, then that's beautiful. Again, it's not like the amount of things that we can get through in our prayer time, because in, and in fact, when we're just trying to like fit a bunch of stuff in, then we can feel really like frenetic, which is the opposite of peaceful. And mm-hmm. um, so just, yeah, it's it's always a balance and it's really helpful to have a spiritual father or a spiritual mother to help you kind of discern how your prayer is looking and to help you learn how to pray because there have also been times in the last year where I'm like, I had to be honest with myself of, I'm not just sitting in prayer being super receptive. I'm actually just being lazy, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. you know. So, and I think when you when you spend a big chunk of your day like you do praying, that's that's obviously going to happen. Yeah. But it, it, along with that, one of the things I want to bring up, and I'll bring it up in, for you guys two episodes from now. But when my next episode is that one of the things that I've been very convicted of at this stage in my prayer life is that for a long time I looked for peace in prayer, 
and I and I and I love and I would say the fruit of my prayer, my personal prayer especially was just joy. Like mm-hmm. I, whether it was just walking the other day, whether it was a being in prayer, that's the fruit I looked for. That's the fruit that God most gave me. But as I at this point in my maybe it's just a phase, um, but at this point in my my prayer life, um, I even had this experience this morning in a very intense way. But the my the fruit of my prayer is actually becoming more like a warrior. It's actually a a an ability to find that joy and that peace, but in great effort, in ascetical effort, in in you know loving zealous effort for my parishioners. Um, but I I do. I do love that I'm not just going to Jesus to look for human peace. Hmm. I'm that too, but I'm looking for human peace in the ability to be stronger in my, in my aversion to sin um, and, and looking for a, a strength that allows me to, to, again, live that ascetic life as, but to love certainly, but the, the love of others is secondary to our own, in a sense, love of holiness um, mm-hmm. and therefore hatred of sin. And, and when I think when we pray for that, it's we're not just trying to get through the day. And because sometimes that's what prayer is, just like, Lord, get me through the day, get me through the week, get me through the year, whatever it may be. Um, sorry, the house cleaners just rang the doorbell, but I'm, I, I, it is unlocked, so I hope they I hope I, I hope it left it unlocked. I thought I heard the doorbell. Like, yeah, it was very faint. Um, but anyway, we need to finish up anyway. Yeah. Um, so yes, I, I the, the, on all of these things are good. All of these things are good, but I, I would encourage you, I think just as a, as a conviction, and that's to to don't only see Jesus as, as Chris Stefanik says, you know, uh, um, what is it? Something therapeutic deism, um, moralistic therapeutic deism. I like, mm-hmm. in other words, don't see Jesus as just, deism is someone you can access only when you want. And like Jesus, stay away until I need you. Mm-hmm. Um, moralistic is just like only talking about good and evil as, as it's defined more, you know, moralistically. And then therapeutic is just to make me feel better. So mm-hmm. much of our Jesus can become something that just wants to make us feel better. And we, we really should pray that, that virtue, you know, Lord, give me virtue. Give, give, give me the ability to actually carry the cross better, to become holier, to do the hard things, but with joy, you know. So, all right. Well, thank you all for listening. Um, you can find us where you found us, uh, where you're listening to this <laughs> one, of course. Um, but we are on um, hopefully all of the formats, all of the various ways of getting podcasts. But we're also on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. Just look up What God Is Not. I'm on Twitter at Padre Michael O. We're on YouTube, uh, audio only. We have a website, whatgodisnot.com. Uh, we have an email address, what God is not podcast at gmail.com to contact us. Uh, we have a Patreon page where you can support us. And when we say, when I say support us, you're supporting our nonprofit called Fotina. We have a website, fotina.org. And, uh, the, uh, that nonprofit supports our evangelization, other people's evangelization. It supports the poor. It supports the church in general. Um, we, we feel very blessed. Um, by those of you who can help us out because it allows us to to uh, really assist people. Um, we've bought a couple of microphones for other podcasters. We've certainly helped the poor that we encounter in, in unique ways. Uh, so thank you for that. And you can donate through our Patreon. Just look up what God is not on Patreon or of course go to fortina.org. You can uh, learn there how to donate to us as well. And I think that's everything. Uh, prayer intentions. Um, I will ask you to pray for 
Uh, just pray for some friends I have, some some non-Catholic friends who I love immensely, who are who are kind of going through it right now. And there's a lot of people going through it right now, um, but they're going through it right now. And I will hopefully see them next Tuesday and uh, check in with them how they're doing. But I, I'm a little bit afraid that that's not going to happen. That means it's not going to happen just because of where they are. So uh, a, a group of friends uh, that could use your prayers. Our Lord, our Lord knows who that is. And thank you for the prayers. Um, I'll ask for prayers for my best friend, Laura. Um, and because we're all always going through things. And she's been on my heart a lot recently. So um, if we could get everyone praying for her too, that would be great. All right. Love you, Mother. Love you too. Thank you for the time. You, talk um, to you in like a minute and a half. <laughs> I know. It's so weird. <laughs> All right. Can you give us a blessing? Lord bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you. Have mercy on you. May our Lord always invite you into a deeper, more intimate relationship with him through prayer. May you receive joy, but also conviction. May you receive the great gift of wisdom and ultimately holiness. May our Lord allow your prayer, what you speak and what you hear to be truly mediums of communion, union with him, that you may become godlike and become God through theosis and deification and therefore receive the great gift of the salvation of your soul. May our Lord bless you and all those you encounter. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.